Blog Talk Radio. Funding a war, 
which is really kind of what really kind of happened. So it's a very interesting story. If you have not seen Snowfall, excellent, based on this character, uh, uh, Franklin. And let me tell you, we we last talked. We last talked. We last talked. I last last talked to y'all, and Franklin was going off about that money. His mama remember his mama uh, uh, shot uh, the, the CIA agent and killed him before he could tell. I'm sorry if y'all haven't seen Snowfall. I'm telling y'all spoilers. So if you want to see it, y'all better get <laughs> get off. But. Uh, but he shoots the mother shoots him before they can he can give him the code or whatever. And what we saw the last episode was Franklin going on a downward spiral because he didn't get the money. We see his girlfriend who's pregnant leave him. Uh, his mother's not goes to jail, not speaking to him. Leon, his best friend, ends up leaving him. Uh, his uh, I forget her name. Oh my God, why I always forget her name? Uh, oh God, I gotta think. Let me see. So far, okay, so I'm gonna have to look it up, y'all, because you know I hate when I be forgetting names. Um, I'm trying to look at so I can remember the names. Um, uh, Aunt Louie is on the run. Uh, Wanda is uh gone already back to Africa, and then shortly Franklin follows her. And uh, we see Gustavo, who is in, living in Mexico and seems to be doing well. And what they do is they do they first show the first six months of after Franklin, you know, loses the money and loses his stuff, and we start to see him slowly go down. We start Frank, we start seeing Franklin become even more of a monster. Uh, and within three years we see Leon, his friend, come looking for him. When he comes back to his house in three years, the house is all, you know, uh, Sissy's house is all his, which is his mother's house, is all kind of messed up and gone down. And inside is living Franklin Saint, who has now become an alcoholic, a bum. It's kind of how he first saw his father, when his father, uh, that first scene, that first episode in Snowfall, right? And so now we see Franklin Saint, who is turned in on himself. It's a very touching moment because we, we get to see him and Leon walk between the neighbor, walk around the neighborhood, and he he tells Leon he's proud of him. But we also see this is the end of Franklin Saint. His demise is not death, it's not jail, but it's an alcoholic bump. And you know what? I thought to myself, how fitting of an end, because I used to know so many dudes like like similar to Franklin Saint who had those same ends. Didn't go to jail. Didn't go to the, uh, didn't go to, uh, um, didn't die, but ended up living like a bum life. On the street, like they ain't even saying no more. Like you, they used to be the man back in the day, and now you like see him like, dang. I thought, what a fate! And the way the writers wrote it at the end, I mean, my goodness! And shout out to, see there. Let me just say this, okay? Because I don't believe, you know, I know they love to say British actors are more well trained sometimes than American actors. Eh, 
I don't agree with that. I think um, that American actors are some of the best actors in the world, especially when it's playing after the African-American experience. But let me give this shout-out to Dinks and Idris for uh, even though he's a, he's a British actor. Normally I can tell Brits playing uh, Americans. And I can tell Dempson. I can tell certain things, you know. But to me, he gave one of the best performances I have ever seen. And, uh, I mean, he, and plus he had a hell of a cast, okay? The cast, I mean, everybody from uh, the guy who played uh, uh, Jerome St., Amon uh, Joseph, I mean Joseph, I think, Angela Lewis, who played Aunt Louie, uh, 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 Michael Hyatt, Sissy, who plays the mama. That cast was phenomenal. Leon, Isaiah John, I mean, a phenomenal cast. Dainson couldn't go wrong because he had a phenomenal cast. The cast was, you know, when you have, let me tell you, it's nothing like, speaking from my own experience, I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm, I'm very getting comfortable, very comfortable in calling myself an actress now. And, you know, when I, some of my best work has come when the other actors around me are great. I remember, um, I, I had to do one time a, a, a scene for um, like a classic, oh, like a uh, like a uh, Moliere or something like that. And everybody around me made me better. Like you know, that's hard because it's kind of like it's not say Shakespearean language if you ever, uh, but it's a different type. It's kind of along that line, lines kind of along those lines. It's a different type of language. And listen, when you have great actors and stuff around you, oh, my God, they bring out the best in you. And so I feel like this for Dinkston Idris. You know, I don't know if the Emmy, has anybody won an Emmy on these shows? Because there are so many great actors from Power to all these, and they are overlooked in the, I think sometimes in the Emmy world, how great of actors and actresses that you see. Listen, just because you black don't mean you can play. You, we all know how drug dealers act and all that. So that's just crazy as hell. So they, they, that's what I think. Sometimes they think in these, uh, these white award shows and stuff. They be thinking, oh, that's a drug dealer. They playing a, they playing a self. That's what they be thinking. I think, and that's that white, you know, not in the white. I ain't gonna say white supremacy, but that racism and stereotyping that gets that sometimes prevalent in American movie industry. And that has got to stop because some of these people just are great actors and actresses and know nothing about the hoods and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, I uh, just saw what a phenomenal cast, what a phenomenal performance, what a phenomenal end to the life of Franklin Saint, to the character of Franklin Saint. I thought, wow. I mean, just well written. Now I do encourage you guys to read about the let let Snowfall guide you to the true story of Freeway Ricky Ross and what happened to him. He's still alive, living, everything like that. A really interesting story too, and it's the it's probably where the idea of Snowfall came from. Okay, so I you know I just I just thought it was a phenomenal ending. They took us on a a wonderful last season. Every it, I didn't like the season before, 
But this season, every episode was intense. It was, it was, the adrenaline was pumping. You were like, yes, 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 yes. You know what I'm saying? It was, I mean, it was so, so good. So shout out to uh, the writers of Snowfall, the cast, everything. I mean, and there's getting ready to be a spinoff, you know, uh, from Snowfall with Wanda, who is married to Leon being at the head. So I think we're getting ready to see more story, what happens after Franklin Saint, what happens. I think some of those characters are going to return to us in um, in, uh, in 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 Wanda's new series when that comes, and it's like a spinoff from Snowfall. Um, I do I, listen. I have to say, you know, I I found that fact, the the West Coast was different in dealing with the crack era, but the crack era is such a fascinating era uh, in America. If you grew up in urban neighborhoods, urban centers. Uh, well, I always call it the crack bomb. What crack did to black America was so brutal. Next to the atrocities in America of racism done to black Americans. And I, I always try to, I, I really stress our story lately, and I know sometimes people get irritated, you know, some people, because I have some people who listen to my show from other black people from the diaspora, but now they're starting to understand. And I have people say, I get what you're saying and stuff like that. And it isn't to the exclusion of anyone, but it's just in telling the black American story. One of the great atrocities that was done to black America was not only the um, chattel slavery and failed reconstruction, and segregation and Jim Crow, but it also has to be the crack era. I can just, when I think about, I think most black kids who grew up in urban neighborhoods, and when I talk to my friends about it, like we all who grew up in urban neighborhoods, and even though, you know, in Kansas City it was different, you know, you have, um, and I'm sure it was different in different cities. It was like different ways, but you know, we had the, you you still be in the hood, but like you might be up a step in the hood, like in a lower middle class part of the hood. Like, like I always ask, my husband always says, "Oh, y'all was in the nice part of the hood." <laughs> he always talks about, but that didn't ab- absolve me from seeing the violence. That was the violence still was around. I mean, we still was seeing drive-bys. We still was here shooting. I still went to a, 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 a crazy urban school, which was, you know, considered not one of the best in the uh, city. I mean, so it, that era, when I talk to my friends about it, we all think, I think we all have a little bit of post-traumatic stress from that <laughs> Like, I can remember being asleep, like, going to sleep at night and hearing helicopters flying over the houses and lights shining in your windows, like, what the hell? You know, or, some, or being out on the porch, hanging out in the streets in the summertime, and, and you hear gunshots. I mean, the crack era was such a horrendous era where people didn't even, were scared to sit on their porches. 
where you normally it wasn't anything to see somebody, one of your old friends or somebody that you knew cracked out walking down the street or some of your friend's mama, grandma, auntie, you know what I'm saying, or seeing, um, you know, I mean, are hearing about friends, having friends be killed, gunned down in the street, nuts all the time. One of my closest best friends, was killed during that time. It was just, I mean, I had a lot, a few friends killed, but one of my close, like, I like, that was like my brother that I had been knowing, like, since I was in the first grade, you know. And, um, I mean, it was a crazy, nutty time where young people, you know, you would go up with some kids who were 16, 17, and they was planning a funerals, like 17 years old, like in a crack area because they were selling drugs. I mean, it was a wild, nutty experience to live through. And to know that, and, you know, this has always been loosely talked about, but to know that that may have funded a war, the destruction of American urban cities, and the destruction of black Americans. And not only that, because it was, you know, it was post-1965, so you have a lot of people are in flux. And the Clinton era, when I went to the Clinton Library, that was one of the things I looked at. This is in addition to any other group of people uh, in the diaspora, but in the, I went to, when I was in the Clinton Library, one of the things I was they were talking about was the influx of gangs from other 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 parts of Caribbean places like, you know, you had the, uh, what was it, the posse, I forget what those gangs, uh, influx in the community. So violence increases because a lot of sometimes some of those gangs, like from Haiti gangs or Caribbean gangs from Jamaica and stuff like that, different culturally than us, okay? So, and it's no this, but they was they violence was like from third world, you know, kind of shit going on. So if you lived in Florida and places like that, you were seeing a whole nother influx of things, and that stuff traveled across America. It was crazy. And when I and so you you see a lot of that uh, that come through the crack era, and it begins to. Um, People throughout the diaspora, this is just my personal opinion, and I'm sure they would probably see this too. Other gangs were used partly, in my personal opinion, to destroy some American gangs, black gangs, okay? And you see that later on. I remember listening to Joe Reagan and listening to one of his shows, and he had a gang expert on, and he was talking about how the cartel was also may have been used to kill off a lot of American gangs, black American gangs, nowhere near what it was with those those gangs, the presence of those gangs, 78. Diabolical, destructive, probably one of the worst uh, eras to live through for black America, and it killed a lot of black American young folk, people, period. So when you talk about American racism and we talk about race in America, it's so 
much so layered, you know, from warehouses closing. When you look at the story, even in Chicago and stuff like that, about how warehouses where black people were living really good in Chicago and Midwestern towns and stuff like that, and how suddenly factories closed and stuff like that, right in time for this influx of drugs to hit the streets, people depressed, people impoverished. I mean, just a crazy time. And when I think about it, Snowfall is kind of triggering in that way, even though it's a good, very good show. But it's very um, triggering to remember that time and to remember how horrible <laughs> it was. I mean, it was a good time. Don't get me wrong. It was a lot of good times. So a lot of great music, dope sounds, everything. Because sometimes when black America is at its worst, we create the best. You know what I'm saying? I hate to say that, but we do. When we at our worst, when we at our lowest, man, we we have the most creative flow. You know what I'm saying? But, but that stuff was born out of, oh, wow. I mean, just... Just a horrible time, and so when that's one of the great to me. The crack era is one of the most most great American tragedies and atrocities of which is the result of racism in America. So, um, yeah, a very cool time, and so a lot of people I know a lot of people say, well. Carlotta, you know, why do we got to talk about the drug movies and stuff like that? And why is black people blah 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 blah? blah. And I get what y'all are saying. You know, you you we don't sometimes you don't always, you don't like to see the stereotypes. But I am understand. I understand. This is what I say. I like I like I like movies where um, there's real stories because Snowfall is a real story. There really was someone. Who who they use in the crack era? Who who built the first crack houses on the on on the on in the? And I mean, if you lived in L.A. during that time, I mean, it was even even more tragic. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, you know, um, there is. I mean, I mean, you know that those are real stories, and those are are there's a part of those stories too. Some gangster stories and stuff. You know, we can't always look like we're just perfect. You know, perfect victims. <laughs> I mean, there are things that we've done to victimize ourselves, and so um, yeah. So I it, I found Snowfall very uh, uh, that it told some of the story properly, not all of the story, but some of the story properly uh, for that era. Very interesting era, even with music. I mean, you know, <laughs> the wild music that came out, the wild rap, and uh, you know, I, I remember being in school, and we. I remember going when I was a kid, like young, going to my first, uh, my first. Uh, I mean, I used to go to all kind of rap concerts. I've been going to concerts since I was nine or ten. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. My first concert was at nine years old. My mama took me at nine years old to see the SOS band because I love the SOS band and Zap and Gap or whatever. But I started going like as a young girl by myself, probably about thirteen, with my friends and stuff. That was, you know, I think I 
like, I don't even remember. I think besides the set, Zap, I think my next concert I had to be like a salt and pepper when they had, had the original Spinderella. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm telling my age. But it was like when they first came out or something, and like the Fat Boys was on the concert. It was like. It was like when they used to have big rap packages and stuff, and it is so. I mean, but then I remember seeing those that era, diving to like as when we were like juniors and seniors, and I mean maybe sophomores in school, and the era of the West Coast rap, and you know, and you know, I remember having like my first two shorts tape when I was like seventeen, seventeen or eighteen, like tech freaky tales or something like that. I can't even remember. I remember all that stuff. So I mean, you know, like because I was a big rap person back then. So, so yeah, I the the change in music and how and that effect that had on the neighborhoods and everything. Just a very interesting time that era, and. Uh, it is amazing that black America was able to survive that era. I mean, because I feel like that was one of the worst crimes done against us was the crack era, you know. Whew. I mean, I could just still, I know, I remember being a young girl. I mean, I was probably like to my 20s. I remember having a relative, particular relative. My family used to have these get-togethers and stuff like that. They had parties and all that stuff. And we had, you know, back then, you know, everybody get together. You know, you, you got crackheads, they be coming to parties. <laughs> it wasn't nobody being come, right? And so I remember I had a, a, a relative on the other side of our family, <laughs> and they, uh, she, her, she had a, 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 a husband that had gotten to drugs and crack and all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? And, this side of the family I was going, we that gave parties and all that stuff, party family and everything. Uh, you know, uh, they was a wild family though. The whole the the the, the gangster side of the family. So I remember one of my relatives who was on drugs. I remember coming, me and my mom coming, getting ready to go to this party. Going, we were going to the party and we drive up to it. I was high like, man, I had to be about twenty four, twenty five. I was like twenty six. Maybe, no, I might not even been that old. I might have been about 21, 22. I mean, it wasn't long after my high school years. Up. And so we we was pulling up. And this particular relative, I was like, we were pulling up and pulling behind, and I saw this relative, and I said, oh, I said, wait a minute, that looked like such and such car. <laughs> and my mom said, that is, that's my, 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 and my brother gets out of the car. And we know this girl didn't have it. Because she was on drugs and stuff, and she ran up to us. She was coming to us anyway, but we were just kind of tripped out. She said, "Yo," she said, "I had to take this car back." She's drug head. She said, "She said because that was your family's car, and I didn't want no problems." It, it was this particular person that she stole it from, and our family was like, "Well, she didn't steal it from, but her husband had sold it to her, gave it to a drug dealer, whatever." It was that wow. But she was like, uh, she was like, she because she knew this was a praying person, and she was like, I didn't want, I didn't want no trouble, or whatever. It was crazy. Like he had given away his car. Like they was a well-to-do couple. This particular couple in my family, well-to-do, giving his car away for some crack, baby. <clears throat> That's how wild the crack era was. Like I gave away a Mercedes. Thank God we were saying. And she took it. 
Because she do the crackhead, just do like, y'all don't want no problems with God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, but it was, that was the kind of wild time. And it was people with constant stories like that. So that's why Snowfall, like, I was like, yes. Snowfall was so, it ended fittingly. It, it, it was triggering in many ways, but it was a very wild, real era. Man, I, I mean, just crazy. Somebody needs to do a documentary on the crack era in black American urban neighborhoods from the East Coast to the West Coast to the South to the North, how it affected different enclaves, maybe, you know, you never know, I mean, of of urban centers. That that is That would be very impactful, I believe. But, yeah, I, shout out to the people to do Snowfall. Okay, so I got to get on power. Ciao. Woo. Power. The other, this one, power is more, to me, a high stakes, fascinating, millennial type of drug ring. We're back to cocaine because, you know, even though there's still people who do crack in the street, crack is not you know, crack hasn't made no <laughs> cocaine has become and making has made major comeback, especially in the area of uh, cocaine has never went away. You know, cocaine was a drug is a drug. I always call cocaine is like a, a, a drug. No drug is good, but what you will see is with cocaine, people be functioning on cocaine. You know, they be you can say they high, but they be people can function. That's why you see it on on and especially with the wealthy. You know. I remember I had some relatives in my family used to say, oh, yeah, we used to use cocaine. I was like, wow. (laughs) But, yeah, so you can see, even today you see a lot of celebrities and different people who still be messing with the snow, okay? So power has been so great to me this season. I mean, it's good. I can't say great. No, I'm going to take that back because there are certain things I haven't liked in power uh, but uh, this last episode, child, Monet is getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> I mean, like Mary J. Blige is her character, Monet is getting so like where you're like, oh my god, like if she's just getting wor- she's getting worse and worse. I mean, like more terrible to her children. But I think she kind of feels bad this week, so you see her being kinder to her children. But it, it's only so she can use them to get her enact her plan, in my personal opinion. I mean, and Tyreek, we're seeing Tyreek right now make the bad decisions of his father ghost. So I think we're seeing that Tyreek is a whole lot more like Ghost than we think. He's he's as dumb as Ghost at times, but he comes, but he's smarter because he comes up with a different ideas and stuff like that. Here is my hope that they do with this this week because I've, I've already heard some spoilers. I don't want to tell y'all because I don't want to ruin it because I know how power, I know how us power Ghost people are. We be like, ah! you know what I'm saying? But I've heard I've heard some like you know some oh, it's gonna get good. That's all I say. But what I will just say with this is that um, to me they need to, I hope they make the turn with Tyreek because I do believe that Tyreek is not just, and it's so good, wait a minute, sidebar, I've been watching 
uh, here and there when I can. The crew has it. If you guys have not seen Tyreek, I mean not Tyreek, Michael Rainey, and I forget uh, what's his what's the other guy's name, Giovanni Gino. What is his name? Uh, let me look it up. Uh, so I want to say I don't want to get you. Uh, Michael Rainey and his, the guy who plays uh, the Western guy on there, Michael uh, Rainey and um, his best friend. Oh my God, is it where's that? I'm gonna try to find it. I don't know why. Trying to find it for y'all. Okay. Um, Gianni, uh, Gianni, uh, Paolo, I think, Gianni and Michael Rainey Jr. have a show where they talk about, uh, they talk to different people from all the power universe. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, has... um, an actor, it is fascinating and great to watch. I mean, because you get to uh, hear the, how they got in there, how they made their auditions, how they got on the show. You hear a lot of background to the show. Um, uh, you, it's so many things that you uh, get to hear on the show. It is so good. It comes on YouTube. I think they have a podcast for it, too. I mean, they talk to different actors from different parts of the power universe. It's so, so good. And they talk about background, uh, how the writers write. I mean, they had a great discussion with Courtney Kemp. I mean, so many uh, great things. But you, you, the, what I love is they talk about the progressions of their characters and how they, you know, they see their characters and stuff like that. I, my hope is for Michael Rainey Jr. this year that he make, because I feel like, when I listen to the crew has it and some of the shows of this do. And I always had this understanding about Michael Rainey Jr. Michael Rainey, uh, his character Tyreek, Tyreek is not just a, a, it's not just a ghost. He is Ghost, Tommy, and Kane, and Tasha. So to me, Tyreek has, unlike Ghost, he has a number of people uh, that he meant, that's mentored him and he mimics, specifically Kane. So what I'm hoping that they do at some point in power, because we're starting to see this whole thing set up like, you know, except for with Ghost, it was two women between Tasha and Angela. This time with Tyreek, it seems like it's between three Effie who Effie reminds me of a straight-up Tasha, uh, um, uh, but a little bit more sly and um, and slick with it. And then you have Lauren, who is an, an Angela. And then you have Diana, who is the Tahat, part of the Tejada family. And Diana is not just Diana is a little bit of both. She's a little bit of Angela because Diana is an innocent in the Tejada family. Even though she embraces the family business, she really doesn't want it. And so she has that little bit of innocent side like Angela, but then she's a Tasha because she's down for her family. She she understands that gangsters, 
and even though she don't like it and she don't like where it puts her, she's still that. So I feel like Aunt Diana is a mix of, of, of those two characters. And so we see, you know, Diana and Tyreek done start sleeping again. Now I'm hearing rumors that there may be a pregnancy. Now this is going to bring like a ghost-like atmosphere because what does Tyreek want more than anything? A family, okay? So um, my thing is I'm hoping that Tyreek, this is my dream dream uh, thing for Tyreek, that Tyreek just does not make the stupid mistake of his father which is Angela Valdez. I felt like Angela was a dumb mistake for for Ghost. Angela was a DA, district attorney. Even though she took up for Ghost, she never really liked to. She would sometimes get Ghost in a lot of trouble and then back up and then decide she didn't want to get him in trouble. And by then he'd be in, and it'd just be so much crap. And Tommy finally had to put her out of her misery because it was just like, you know, she was she was doing too much. But I am hoping we don't get to see go uh, uh, Tyreek make the mistakes of Ghost. As a matter of fact, I think Tyreek is too smart. It's smarter than Ghost. So my dream scene is that Tyreek kills Lauren, and he says, you know, he's like gives a line like, "I'm not my father," or "I'm uh, definitely not my father," or whatever. And he, he, we see the emergence of Tyreek. Like Tyreek is a different. Beast. I want him to kill Lauren. I'm sorry. I know. It's gruesome, right? You know, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that's what we do on power. People, power fans, talk about we're gruesome, you know, as far as the show is concerned. But, yeah, I don't want him to make the same mistakes of his father and be walking into the trap of of trying to see goodness in somebody who, she is good, but she she she's not stable like Angela. She's she's flubbing between good and bad, and she's gotten so far into Tyreek's world, in my opinion, that either you have to send her away or you have to kill her. You have to kill her again. And I know they already killed her and she came back, but yeah, I'm you know, yeah, I can I can do without Lori. <laughs> I'm rooting for actually Diana. That's my room. I'm rooting for Diana in this whole thing. <laughs> so yeah, so it is a power book ghost. Oh my god, very good. I haven't heard, we haven't heard anything about force and when it's coming, but we shall see. Okay, Secession's another one this week. I have, I got the chance to watch. <gasps> We're at the last season of Secession. The father has died, and. Listen, everybody is is I mean, everybody is heading trying to get the mark of who I mean, who will succeed uh, the great Rome uh uh what is it? Um let me get it here and get the names. I don't know how I be the names, so I be I have to get it. Uh who will succeed the father? Who will succeed the great? Who will uh, supersede the great Logan Roy? And in this, we see all kind of twists and turns. This week, we see accidentally, mm-hmm. <laughs> accidentally, uh, Kendall Roy, who Kendall. I think everybody 
kind of feels they like Kendall, but Kendall sometimes is, is he's overly he gets pressured too hard being the CEO. But Kendall does something bold, and everybody thinks it's gonna fail, but it actually ends up being successful. Oh my God! So it's like, oh my God, this is great. So it, I mean, to me, secession is so it's it, 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 it's so, they have so many. They have the best one-liners on TV. I just can I just say that they are the, they have the best. Their writers are so like, I mean, in conversations when they're writers like they with the, when they write lines for Roman and stuff like like it takes you a minute you to you sometimes have to rewind back and hear the joke. It's so fun. I mean, it's very funny, but. Um, there's a great article in Independent. It says, Secession may have just given away a big hint about who will be the winner. And it says, has anyone else noticed how a certain Secession star seems to have a lot more to say this time around? In the absence of Logan Roy, uh, Vicious, uh, uh, solic- I don't know why I can't say that word, Soliloquies, his youngest son, Roman, who has delivered the best lines of the show's fourth and final season, lines like, you're, you're inhuman, Fucking Dog Man, which is aimed at Alexander Skarsgård's t- toxic tech billionaire Lucas Matson. Roman has always been foul months, but now his words have consequences. Matson ends up increasing his takeover bid for Waystar uh, Royco uh, after the outburst. Um, Roman goes on a second rampage in the most recent six episode, firing the company's film studio head and his mommy's girlfriend, Jerry. Uh, and his mommy girlfriend Jerry, uh, it's an uh, it's an Anakin Skywalker s character arc for a figure who appeared at one point to be the be the Roy's clan most empathetic member. Roman's progression from dick joke guy to ruthless game player points to one thing: victory. The showrunner Jesse Armstrong might have just confirmed it. Episode six, like the one that preceded, was all about Roman. It started with a crucial meeting with Raystar Studios head Joy Palmer, Annabeth Gish, over their much maligned superhero movie, uh, Kalish Pitron. After realizing Joy isn't taking him serious, Roman shows her how powerful and mad he is. I could just fire you. Oh, no, I said it now. I feel like I've got to commit, he gavels. Next in the crosshairs is Jerry, who calls him a weak monarch and a dangerous inter-Reaganum. she gets the axe too. He's not her slime puppy anymore. Uh, Logan's death has clearly sparked something in Roman, something cruel and bloodthirsty. I did love the turn for Roman. I feel like we got to have a turn like that in power for Tyreek. I saw that. I don't think Roman's going to be the winner. I like the turn though. I like. It's so funny because when he talks to um, the character who we all like, even though we, he's beleaguered and. He's always having a hard time with pressure. Um, what's the character? The character of Kendall Roy. Kendall's like, yeah, go at it. Like, I like Kendall. I know that we all, I don't feel like they're going to go with Kendall, but I like Kendall because Kendall's always been the store boy for his father, but he failed in so many ways because he was pressured and everything. But I like to see Kendall come up and become like uh, beyond his father. And my next favorite would be <laughs> the oldest brother. 
because he's so clumsy and seems so out of it and seems not there. He's always uh, away from the other fam- the other family members. So that would be a good one. The one who plays Connor, Connor Rory. Uh, I don't like uh, Shiv has it. Uh, it'd be interesting. I don't know. So it will be interesting to see what's uh who's gonna be uh who's going to be who's gonna take the throne. Uh, I think they could go with someone very weird, okay? But uh, a lot of people after that uh uh they said the episode's ending was just as important for Roman as its beginning before the big living pr- uh, presentation. Shiv convinces Roman to back out the last minute, leaving Kendall to soak up the acclaim when it all goes surprisingly swimmingly. Roman is left jealous of his brother and angry with his sister for pulling him out of the spotlight. On his way home, Roman listens to Kendall's crude uh, crude pastiche of his father telling him he has a micro dick and always gets it wrong. He smiles at first, but his expression turns more intense as he listens to the clip over and over again. Sure, Roman is grieving, but he's also being reminded of his failings via his dead, dead dad. What could provide greater motivation to conquer than that? So it should be interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm, I can see this happening. Roman, I mean, Roman taking over. I wouldn't be surprised though. But even though I love Kendall, so yeah, so we shall see. We shall see. It should be an interesting. Uh, secession Okay so I you know look at secession That would be really good to see um, Or they could go with Somebody strange okay So we I can't wait to see How that works out Alright you guys so to tell the truth tonight I don't have no show When we come back I'm going to take a little break But when we come back we're going to be talking about uh, I got to talk about Nick Cannon I need to talk about this Brian, Brian McKnight stuff Oh my god Brian McKnight is out here Brian you know, some people, sometimes you need to go off of social media and just take a damn break, you know. <laughs> you don't need to say nothing. You need to rest. And, you know, Brian McKnight, oh, my Lord. We haven't heard from Brian McKnight in a while, but when he comes on, we like, you know, it was like when he did that coochie song. Remember when he did that coochie song a long time ago? And we was all like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, now Brian is back with some more uh, wild stuff, okay? So we got to talk about that and a whole lot more when I get back. But meanwhile, you guys, let's get into some music. Here's one of my faves, Rain SWV. It's the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all.
Don't disturb this grief, the system. I, listen, people ask me all the time, is that for real, like, your favorite song of all time? I'd be like, yep. <laughs> listen, I mean, I'm, it's like a cult. Listen, I, people don't understand. Uh, don't disturb this groove has a very small, like, cult following. You know, like PM Don when they do it. I think the system has kind of like that PM Don kind of following. And people love. I've met other people who say this song is their favorite song. I've met a few other people in life that say, that you like Don't Disturb This Group? It's like your favorite song. I'm like, yeah. they like, for real, I love that song too. Oh, my God. Like, if you're a New Edition fan, New Edition fans always be, like, thinking I'm weird because they be like, what's your favorite New Edition thing? Huh? And I, they be wanting me to say Lost in Love, you know, the old stuff, Whispers in Bed and all that stuff. I'm like, no. They're like, no, not that cootie now. My secret. My secret is my favorite New Edition video. I have two favorite New Edition songs. And it's in two orders. One, number one, for New Edition is Mary Ann. Oh! <gasps> Oh, when the Mary Ann first starts up, oh, my God, I love the music of Mary Ann. I like music that has, like, a feel, like a transporting feel. Oh, my God, and Mary Ann is one of those songs, like, oh, it's just, I love it. So that's my favorite New Edition song, and my second one is Once in a Lifetime Group. Okay? So people are always like, like, what? Okay. <laughs> and my favorite song of all time, I got a lot I have a lot of favorite songs of all time, but I could probably name some that are in my, like, top ten. And they're corny songs. Like, corny songs. <laughs> First of all, I'm just going to give all Luther songs. I can't give you, like, a specific Luther song. I just put all Luther songs in, like, <laughs> at some point in my top ten, right? I haven't listed numbers. I haven't got them together. But probably in my top ten, don't Disturb the Screw is, like, my favorite song. It just never goes. I love the, I just love the, what I remember when I was young, and maybe this, I, I've attached some nostalgia to it. You know, I'm a Scorpio. So I think I've, you know, like, I can, I can remember, like, at night, like, you know, my friends and everybody hanging out and everything and the door and my house would be open and everybody's running out. And I remember having a video, DT video so long. And we'd be playing it loud and stuff. And I remember just walking past it and don't disturb this group. I remember I first heard it and I was like, oh, what is that? I mean, the sound is just so sexy and airy. And, oh. Oh, it's, I love that song. It's love. Okay, so that's one of my favorites. Another one, I got a stranger, okay? 
Kissing You by Keith Washington. Okay, I'm getting strange. Okay, I do. I love that song. I love the way it starts out. <sighs> and then, like that chorus, how it builds up. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I'm courting, okay? The the next one is one of my other. I don't have any particular order though, except for Kit. Don't misunderstand me. Is at the top, okay? That's so know that. But my next one would be. When we when you get caught between the moon and New York City, uh, lots of things. <laughs> I'm not lying. I love lots of things. You know, so when you get caught between the moon and New York City, the, the best that you can do is fall in love. Oh my God! Oh, I love that song. Oh, I, I love some slight soft rock, some pop, some eighty soft pop rock. And late 70s, oh, oh, I got so many favorites. But, yeah, that's one of them. When you get caught between the new Arthur's theme, the moon in New York City. Oh, it's so romantic. I love that song. I've loved that song for years, okay? I don't know what else. Oh, and my favorite, they're going to do a documentary on her. Listen, my granny can tell you. This is no lie, okay? My grandma, my granny can tell you has a kid growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I love summers. My granny can tell you I had a fascination with Donna Summers. It's true. I just love Donna. I'm serious. Donna Summers. You can put her on my Mount Rushmore singers. Did you know why I say so? Because Donna can sing, can sing anything. Like she can sing rock, R&B, jazz. Oh, I remember like just being in love with Donna as a little girl, like five, six, seeing her on awards. And one of the first songs is in Last Dance, even though I like Last Dance. One of the first songs that's got to be in my top favorite is on the radio. Listen, on the radio has got to be one of the best written broke up songs of all times and calling somebody. The lyrics. Someone found the letter you wrote on the radio and it told the world just how you felt. I never told the foes this how I was feeling over you. Oh my God. The way she starts and I was singing it. Like she's, ah, oh, have you, like, the way the song starts off, like it's just a little bit of music in the, all you hear is Donna's big voice. Someone found the letter you wrote me on the radio. Oh. Listen, top 10, okay? I can't name the other ones, but top ten. Those are got to be my songs that I'm going. Those are classics for me. <laughs> classics. Okay. So Maxwell. Is this my favorite Maxwell song? Favorite Janet song. Let's go with favorite Janet song. I can't pick. She's like Luther. I have a hard time. I love Slow Love, but it's not my favorite song. Janet's song. 
I don't know. This is, that's hard. I like, where are you now? Oh, my God, I can't pick a Janet song. I really have a, I would, oh, my goodness. It's hard. I cannot pick one because I love, uh, you know, the sensual songs, the sexy, uh, this is the, this, that's probably close. This is the body that loves you. This is the, the song, what is the song called? So come get this, uh, something that loves you. What is that song? Oh, my God, because I love that. I love that. Oh, my God, that's so sexy. But I think I may have it this close. This one, that one, uh, body, whatever the song called. And, of course, I mean, one of her best videos of all time. I freaking love the video. God, it, it's just a mood. Anytime, any place. <sighs> that is the best. Like, this one just oozes sex. <sighs> anytime, any place. Listen, the video is so hot. I mean, I love the whole theme of the video, like this, like she's watching her neighbor, the neighbor's watching her, and they have these secret rendezvous together, and nobody knows it. Oh, my God. That's the quintessential 90s love sexy ass. Yeah. Anytime, any place, it got to be. Oh, my goodness. And I think at any time, any place. Jeez. Sexy video, probably my most, probably my favorite favorite Janet video. Okay, I'm a scrubby, I'm a freak. Yes, it's my favorite. It's probably my favorite Janet video. Is it my favorite Janet video? I think so. Yeah, it might be. The next one would be like the song is cute. Back on the road again, feeling kind of like I like that video. But Janet has a lot of videos I like. But anytime, any place, ooh. Lord have mercy. I love it. Okay. Uh, Maxwell. Favorite video has got to be the video that's hidden. I don't know if Maxwell's embarrassed about the video, but damn it. I mean, I want somebody to, if somebody bring that video, somebody give me a download. I don't know what he's, I don't know if he done put it off the market. I don't know. What is the Coco Cure? What is it, Coco Cure? Where's that video at? I remember seeing that video. I was like, Jesus, who is that? I don't understand what the hell's going on. Like, whoa. And I wasn't even really, like, like I was starting to be, pay attention to him, but, like, not like that. It was, Embryo was the first one I bought from him. I didn't buy her Urban Hang Suite first. This, this is fact, okay? Then I went back and got Urban Hang Suite. I knew about Urban Hang Suite, but I just, that wasn't the first one I brought. I brought Embryo because I liked matrimony. Okay, so I was like, oh, God, he's so sick. That's one of my, my favorite Maxwell sons is matrimony. And the video is it's, it's nice, too. But that Coca Cola, oh, my God. Jeez, that was a crime. That's That video snappy. It's a crime that someone has taken that video away from the fans. I just, I protest. I, I, 
I just need to do a meet and greet so I can tell him I protest the person who's taking the Kakura video off of the market. Why can't we be allowed to see that? That's great work. But it's not my favorite song. But the video is great work. And Maxwell fans know why that's great work. However, my favorite Maxwell song, this is hard to. It's going to be a strange one. I've got a lot. <laughs> uh, what is uh, what the one uh, for lovers only? I love that song. It's not Lifetime. You guys played that out. It's not This Woman's Work. No. I told you I found my nails in the Houston concert. Uh, I did get the chance to see Maxwell and Hicks. I don't think he's going to perform This Woman's Work ever again. Is he performing that ever again? Because I did get a chance to see that. I was so, so privileged that I got to see him sing that in 2017. No, he did sing a little bit of it into, at the, the symphony. In 2019, yeah, the Swarms are no, that's not my, those are not my favorites. Ascension, no. Uh, I liked it, but yeah. Um, I love Matrimony. It's just one of those sweet, corny songs, and I really like it. Um, and it's the reason that I went about Embryo. That's the truth. But I like Embryo itself, the album itself, but... I love now. I would love to see Maxwell do something like now again. Like, it's so, like, as a matter of fact, I would even like to see him re-release now. Like, now was so good. Not the, not when they do the remix and the DJing and all that. I was like, Ugh. I mean, he was releasing a bunch of those for a little while. And I was like, don't really hear that. I mean, I, but I like the, I love now. Now is so, the way it starts off, oh, my God, yeah. That's the times, man. You <laughs> know, I found that cool. So I, I just want to just say to Maxwell fans that, you know, not only should y'all be trying to get him a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know, they're just giving him away out here now. <laughs> but they, they, I think you got to pay some money. What is it, like 50000 to Come back and somebody give you money for him. That's great publicity. But... Not only should you be trying to do that, but, you know, I know here's happening on the know. Uh, but y'all should be trying to be out here protesting and saying, where is the Kakua video? I need more fans to be saying, what happened in that video? Like, I, we need to know. I think we need answers because it's not right. It's a work of art. It should be a lot. It should be seen on all platforms. Form. At least give us the option to buy the video. I would buy it. I mean, it's full form. Nothing taken out. <laughs> Let me stop. You guys, it's our back. This is CC Show. Lord, I got to talk about my favorite songs. That's so crazy. Okay, y'all, we, <laughs> we are back. Okay, so this week, let's get into these hot topics. Another sexy man from the 90s. <sighs> 
Brian McKnight, who used to be sexy. Brian McKnight has been acting so sexy on social media. Now, I've heard some stories from Brian McKnight stories, okay, over the years. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I've heard some stories. I heard one story I was, <laughs> I think we told it all here. I ain't going to tell this stuff no more. Man, he's definitely a Gemini. That's all I say. Now, I've seen Brian McKnight a number of times in concert, okay? I have seen Brian McKnight, okay? And Brian McKnight is one of the great songwriters to me, you know, the 20th century. He wrote a lot of great Brian McKnight is a good songwriter, okay? But Brian McKnight has been, it's been rumored. Remember the first wife he was, his, well, he was only his first wife. He's only been married twice. But. Brian McKnight, there was a lot of rumors going on when they had a divorce. Some people were saying he was physically abusive, allegedly, uh, and uh, verbally. I mean, you know, there was a lot of stuff out there, okay? And, you know, his career kind of started taking a nosedive a little bit. I remember going to see Brian McKnight, and he brought his kids out on stage. I remember that. I remember that. And all the women was lusting when the little boys came out. They stopped lusting. It was funny. <laughs> but he was, but he, it was fun. It was cute to see them playing. I think they were like teens. Like, were a lot, it was like years ago. And um, Brian is a great artist in concert. If you ever see him in concert, he's really good. Um, yeah, but had lots of, was having problems um, years ago a little bit that you were hearing rumors about and stuff like that. Uh, definitely what I call dark Jiminian shit because Brian is a – oh, God, I'm not trying not to cut. Dark Jiminian stuff. Brian is definitely <laughs> one of those uh, artists that you're like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's – I mean, you know, he's, he's really – he appears, like, in the 90s when he was doing in the early 2000s, he was real popular, back at one and stuff like that. He seemed like a little romantic thing, but – on the low, low, and he got a moon in Aquarius, too. What he got? He was a Sagittarius sun, I mean, a Gemini sun, and a moon in Aquarius. What's that rising in? Do you know what Brian Knight's rising is, man? I'm not an astrologist, but I just like to talk about astrology. So let me see. Let me see what he's going to do. We're going to talk about Brian Knight. Crazy ass. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let me see. He's a moon in Aquarius. Um, do they have his um, rising? The sun, sun? No. Mm-hmm. I see what he is. Trying to look at Brian's astrology. I do know he is a sun sign Gemini, and he is a moon in Aquarius. I don't know what that rising sign is. Um, Dang it, I wish I knew. But let me just tell y'all this. He definitely has that Gemini 
twin. Like I look one way on the surface, but I am, you know, I can be a, a trip, right? <laughs> What's this Venus here? Oh my God, I don't even know what this Venus is. Let me just see if I can find out what this Venus is. In. I think it's Venus is in Taurus. Is it Venus in Taurus? I'm trying to find Brian's stuff. I think it's Venus is is Venus in. I don't know, but let's just go with the Gemini thing, okay? Because, you know, if they're dark Geminis, he's the moon in Aquarius. Uh, Like, you know what? Who who else has this moon in Aquarius that we see who's a Gemini? Right, he has a moon in uh, Aquarius. Michael's a triple air, I think. He's like that, but I don't know if that's what Brian Knight is. I don't think so. I think it's a Cancer rising. I think I saw that before. I'm not sure, but he does. He has the Sun in Gemini, Moon in Aquarius. Uh, I think. I think I'm not sure. Gosh, I wish I knew uh, what the birth chart was. I, I mean, I wish I knew his. Um. What his um his uh thing is, but yeah, uh, Brian McKnight is a very interesting character. This week, a lot of controversy been going on about Brian McKnight and his children. As you know, he's been estranged from his kids. Uh, three of his kids, two of his kids are from his first wife. I think it's June, right? His two sons, and the rumors were that very Jaminian stuff going on too. <laughs> player players from the Himalayas. <laughs> Not all Geminis are players though. You know, they just don't like to be bored. You know what I'm saying? They don't like to be bored. You you got to entertain the twins. If you're gonna if you're gonna tackle a twin, you got to entertain them. You know what I'm saying? You know? You gotta entertain them. Keep them both, but tw- all ten of them happy. It's the first two that you got to really between. But it'd be about 20 of them. They roll with 20 others, okay? But they got to keep entertained and mentally stimulated, right? So the rumors were out in the streets that Brian McKnight had a side baby. She grown now, but allegedly, that's the rumors. I'm not saying allegedly. This might have happened afterwards, but people are saying in these streets, And that was part of the reason for the marriage thing, okay? Now, Bryant seems to be angry at everybody except for his new wife and new children. He's married a Filipino woman. Now, I happen to know, I'm not going to say all Filipino women. Please do not. I'm talking about that. Do not come at me. But I do have some people who are in my family who are Filipino, of Filipino descent. And you can be very submissive, okay? It's a very different vibe. Not all, but some, okay? Not all. Very different culturally, okay? But this is according to RollingOut.com. It says on April 29, 2023, Friday night randomly became the topic of a discussion after someone called him out on Twitter about not acknowledging his biological kids. The timeline of both his marriages and children that were a product of each quickly became public knowledge due to the backlash. McKnight defended himself on YouTube to explain the situation further. So it says, so Brian McKnight was married to Julie McKnight. It's Julie, it's her name. 
had two sons, Brian and Nico, with her, cheated on her with Patricia Driver and had a daughter. This is from the key KSH Pittman, uh, Brianna McKnight, who Julie treated like her own, disowned all of them, got a new wife and stepkids, and didn't look back. Jesus. <laughs> you got to understand when you're looking at Gemini's, you're looking at a couple of things. And I'm going to explain what I think is the psyche of Brian McKnight in a minute, okay? Can to explain this, okay, that I think. But let's listen to Brian McKnight trying to defend himself, okay, about how he, because he was just dissing. He was saying he was, this was, you know, uh, he was saying in the video, uh, he said he once had a great relationship with his adult children. He claims he never missed a child support check. He even bought apartments for his oldest sons, musician Brian Jr., celebrity photographer Nico, both children from his first marriage with Julie McKnight. The relationship he had with Brianna and Clyde seems to be undocumented, and both are products of past relationships outside of the marriage. According to McKnight, he no longer has a relationship with his biological children due to them allegedly being ungrateful, among other things, which he referenced in this video. His oldest kids claim McKnight was not very present in their lives. Uh, as of today, he only claims to be the father of his stepchildren, Julia and Jack, his rainbow baby, Brian Kona McCoy and his deceased child, Kiko Matoa. Many fans are unaware that McKnight has four biological children. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's see. Okay, so here he is talking about his kids.
this Gemini don't want to hear the stories I've been heard about. Puff, puff. <laughs> Talk about his son. I ain't going to tell the, her, tell the story I heard about the weed man. Please shut up. Got somebody sitting out on somebody's porch. Smoking weed. Hey. You talking about them kids? I ain't got no sights. I ain't going to say nothing. It's obvious. I just heard some stories, allegedly, out in these streets, okay? That's a Gemini for sure. <laughs> Brian, Brian, Brian. Kids are not easy. Let me just say this. I, you know, I understand some parents be having. I've been hearing some of my friends. I be like, give me a tell. And you know, it's so funny because I have friends, not all friends, not all, but I have some friends who will call me, like, and talk to me and ask me for advice about the kids. Because let me tell you why they do this. I think not because I do have some motherly energy, even though I don't have any children, but because. A lot of my friends still think I'm, they still think of me like I'm youthful and I understand, like I got some sort of language with the young people. <laughs> oh, but, you know, because you, when you don't have no kids, it kind of makes you like, oh, you don't want to know what And so one of my girlfriends be having a time with one of her children, okay? She be showing the fuck. I mean, you know, she be showing that. And I be telling her, you better put some tough love on that egg, okay? That egg, you better put some tough love. But it's hard with people when they got their kids, okay? And Brian McKnight, I believe him. I believe he's, I believe this Gemini when he said he gave him two years and all this stuff. I believe it. And listen, your kids can be, listen, your kids can get it too. I'm a person who believes that if you, you know, if you ain't acting right, you got, you have to estrange yourself from people because they acting a fool. Okay, I get it. But with your kids, I do believe you have to give them a little bit more time. And the way Brian McKnight has been coming on the Internet trolling his children, even his daughter, he's been trolling the hell out of his daughter. Talking about, this is the first time I got to be a guy. And this is for, he bought a car, I guess, for his wife, his new, his newest wife, 17-year-old, 16-year-old daughter. And he's like, this is the first time I get to be a girl dad. Well, you got a whole full girl daughter. That's like 18 and 19. And then he goes on and tells this story uh, about his adult daughter uh, having a relationship with her cousin, which is, I mean, that's like, this is, that's classic crazy shit. I mean, I'm like, who does that? Like, it's like he's trolling his kids and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm, coming, I'm coming around the mountain. Okay, I'm, I'm getting here. Okay. It's, it's like he's coming to the internet to gain their attention. Like, look at what these kids are getting because they listen to me. They appreciate. And you know what? There may be some appreciation there because, listen, the young, the, her two kids, see, this, see, Brian McKnight, this is what you got to understand. Geminis have a hard time sometimes. Sometimes Geminis have a hard time judging the people around them. They do. They just be like, they be folks, okay? 
I know. I be tired. That's too much. I'm just telling you. Sometimes they be slow to get. Okay. The new wife and the new kids came already. That the new kids you got, the new step kids you got. They know you have superstar Brian McKnight. So how they receive you is going to be a different, a little different than your ex-wife, your old wife back in the day, and your two kids who, your wife who was with you before you became a star on up. And them kids, they think you just a daddy. They know you rhyme at night, but they're like, this is daddy. So the relationship is very different, homie. Okay? And I think it's hard for children as parents when you have Oh, listen, when you have fame, it is hard to grow up under, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, under a famous parent. It it is probably one of the hardest things in the world. And probably, it's, you know, listen, a lot of famous parents probably don't even realize the narcissism aspects of themselves. And listen, I'm going to just say it. Because, you know, I'm going to tell my own business here, okay? Y'all know I always do. I share my story, okay? I grew up with parents. My grandparents were entertainers, local uh, 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 gospel singers. My grandmother was traveling. She'd been traveling, doing gospel her whole life. My grandfather, too. That's how they met each other, his singers on the road and stuff like that. Uh, and my great-grandparents were saying, I mean, it's just, it's, I come from a family that's like, that likes music, okay? So particularly, but my grandparents particularly were very musical. Even later on in their later years, they were DJing gospel radio in Kansas City, okay? They had a popular gospel radio show. And so... Uh, Growing up, now I ain't got it like no super famous, but they was just famous in the area. And there was a little bit of that uh, energy with them, too. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes where you sometimes couldn't see, you know what I'm saying? I can't imagine what it's like on a big space for a child. You know what I'm saying? Like a big space. And Brian McKnight's kids, especially his son, I think one of his sons, they're very talented. Like, but a lot of times what you will find with some parents, not with my grandparents, but some parents, they'd be like, you know, they don't want, like, they, you know, you might, maybe you need to give your, I don't know what he, because I didn't hear him say anything about the industry. What I heard him say was he was trying to get them jobs at the hospital. When Negro, you've been having them living in the lux of life. They've been living in, uh <laughs> Living off that back at one money. <laughs> Have I ever crossed your mind any time and let it snow money? I mean, you know, it's mind-blowing when you're trying to tell a kid to go out here and live regular. So my thing is when you have, you really, with kids like that, you really have to ask them, even when they, as they grow, when they're older, you really have to take an interest in what is it that they want to do and really kind of help direct them because you are Brian McKnight. Nepotism is okay sometimes. I mean, hey, people do it all the time on these streets. And if your kid's talented, putting them in things that help them exceed 
and be able to go, you know, and letting them know, hey, it may be hard for you, but a lot of times what I bet was going on is Ryan was paying more attention to his career a lot of times than he was in trying to harm theirs. And that's okay because he's the star. That's, he's the star of the family. But you might have to see that, like, okay, hey, maybe as your dad I didn't focus on some of the things that you want to do or some of the things that you may love to do. So maybe I need to find a way to help you grow in that aspect. And I think Brian McKnight has had a hard time, you know, probably it's probably hard as a parent too, you know, to try to, especially when you find your kids have lived this life, this great life that you've given them, and you've been partly responsible for the spoiling of those kids, to now tell them to get out here and go to work. So that's that's a balance, and then you troll them on the internet. So um, I see it has very dark Gemini energy. My personal belief, I don't think it's a. A lot of people are saying he's dissing his black kids, but I don't see that. I see it has him trying to restart another family. Like I think he's over there trying to uh, restart hope for hope for what he he didn't have with. Je- because here, here's my personal opinion about Brian McKnight. The first wife, this is just my personal opinion about Geminis, okay? One of the things that people think about Geminis is that they don't like, like they don't have no feelings. You know what I'm saying? They they got feelings. They just don't like to, to deal with them. <laughs> and when they, uh, uh, when they do deal with them, and if they actually are in love with you, okay, and you know, uh, uh, and that fantasy of what they put established in their head has gone down the tubes. Um, I think they'll blame you for it somewhat. Not all of them, but some of them. And so I think that's what you're seeing with Julie. That Brian McKnight is kind of angry. I think a little bit with that family, that first family, because it, it didn't stay. The structure didn't stay like he wanted it, and it this I personally believe it this is just a lot of one on one that he would prefer have preferred to be in with her and and have a family structure and kept his family structure, but having the outside child, all these things happen ruined the ideal he had in his head, the material ideal he had in his head. A family, and now he's kind of angry about it. Now he's ready to throw away that family as if he didn't even have them anymore, and try to start over with this one. And you can't do that, Brian. Tim and I, you can't do that. You can't throw your kids on the internet because you look like you're a psycho. For some of y'all, be you know y'all got psychopathic tendencies over there in Gemini, Gemini. Okay, y'all like no, you ain't calling the pot the kettle calling the pot black. But we Scorpios are able to deal with our psychopathic situation. Y'all Gemini's like to act like y'all don't have them. Y'all do. Now, Divine Knight needs to get himself together. You need to try to reestablish your relationship with your kid and quit thinking you know it all. You created these monsters, whatever you're talking about. You created them. Like he said, I gave them everything. I gave them this and that. I gave them that and that. That don't just end when you don't set the precedence for giving them everything. 
you also got to teach them how to fish in their lane. And going to the hospital to work sometimes ain't exactly – listen, they grew up in a house where they seen you create dream, a dream, live a dream. So what you got to realize is most people – let me just say this to parents out here, okay? And like, hey, I don't know everything, but just let me just say this, okay? Most people don't grow up in households where they see their parents fulfilling lifelong dreams, where they see their parents doing something that they passionately love. Most people will grow up in households where they see their parents going to work every day doing ish they don't like. Child, come home, child, I'm so tired of this job. <laughs> Most kids don't get to see their parents embrace the vision of the, the, live actually in their passion, careers. So I'm assuming that Brian McKnight, look at me, sure, it looks like his dad was his dream career, being a musician. I think Julie was a singer, too. Cause she sang on, I remember that Christmas album they had. That little Christmas album, he had the whole family singing on that Christmas album. That was cute. Remember that years ago? This Christmas album. Brian used to be the stuff there. Okay? So, yeah. So, dude, you created you, the vibration of your household, even though it fell apart and you got out here in these famous streets because you know how you, you know, and you wanted some variety and all that. You got bored, and, you know, you, you, allegedly these gems get bored out in these streets and they want to try everything. You know, Jim and I like to try the smorgasbord. <laughs> I want some of that. I want some I want some of that. Can I have some of that over there? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Chat, chat, chat. Okay, so apparently Brian McKnight got out here allegedly to start tasting, okay? And his wife was like, uh-uh. Allegedly. Now, and then there was all kind of other drama going on. But you created a high vibration in your household of someone living their dreams. Your kids are not like the girl you're living with now's kids. The woman you living with now came in to fame and money. It's like Lori Harvey and 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 what's her name? What's Lori Harvey's mama name? I forget Lori Harvey's mama name. Lori Harvey and her mama. Okay, they walked in on Steve's money. Okay, and they using it well, child. Use it. Use, they doing it well. They, they of course. And why? Because Lori is not going to. Um, she sees Steve has Steve Harvey, not has her daddy. Now, even though she knows Steve Harvey, but she still, well, Steve Harvey was famous. So what you call his kids going to think a uh, 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 Lori Harvey's mama's two other kids, three kids, is going to think of Steve Harvey very differently than his own kids. Who've been with him from the beginning. Knew him before, knew him maybe while he was famous, but knew him but didn't lived in the house with him and did not see him have some famous daddy. Okay, so yo, these new school kids you got, these little step kids you got walking in, and they like, shoot, they can, they they you know, 
they taking your advice about going to get a regular job and maybe all that stuff because they didn't grow up in the high vibration of a household that lives uh, that has that where they seen a actual they lived and breathed the actual high end celebrity life. Your other kids were with you when you was Brian motherfucking McKnight in the nineties and the early two thousand when you had one you're like a dream come true and two and crazy love and all them hits was on the radio. That was a different time. So those kids have high expectations in that household of what they they think they they want to be because they see you passionately probably writing songs. They probably even if you and your you and you, they got their mama and y'all end up exploding. They still got to be in a household where passions were met. So you can't ask your kids who notice. I notice something. Brian, your kids is doing artsy stuff. They doing what Nico do. They one's a guitar player, and one is a a a a, 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 a photographer. Those are passion field careers. Now. You got to be a little bit more patient with them because they don't want to go work at the hospital, Brian McKnight. I'm talking about them puffing. Brian, have you been puffing at the job? Have you ever puffed at the job? And shut up. Okay? Hey, don't be so hard on your kids, okay? You got to you got to see your whole picture of what you and Julie was raising and what I was raising them in. Okay, I'm not saying let kids be sloppy and do whatever the hell. They grown now, but I'm saying give them a break. Say, hey, listen, why you think the music ain't working? Why you think the guitar ain't working? Why you think the photography ain't working? Is there something I can help you with it? Can I call up some of my partners? Maybe you need some more lessons, or uh, maybe you need uh, maybe that's not really what you should be doing. Maybe you should be doing this, or maybe I will. I want to give you a, a foot. I want to give you a hand in your prospective career. But Negro, tell them to go work at the hospital. It's hard for kids who, who who came up in households where they saw that were high vibration as far as career and uh, passionate, people being passionate about what they did for a living. They, you were their example, and that's high, very high, a high standard. And they, they don't, you know, it's hard to live up to who you are. So as a famous person, I'm not saying let your kids just run all over you and spend up all your money. See, I ain't saying that. I'm saying having some, have some understanding and some empathy and not troll they asses, okay? Now, what I think he's doing with this other little girl, I think he mad. Listen, I think he got, you need to deal with your problems that you want your marriage, allegedly, with this other chap. The side baby's a side baby. It ain't going to change, okay? So you need to love her. She here. They say Miss Judy love her. Why can't you? Okay? That's all I got to say on that note. Now, but 
you got to, she, these other kids is going to be different from them two little boys. Them two little boys have seen every height, and you got to be a little bit more patient with them and a little bit more helpful because it's hard when you're growing up in high vibrational homes where passion is on there and, and kids do not want to um, – they see your lifestyle. They are seeing it up close and personal. They seeing what happens when a person does what they love, and so they want to. So sometimes they can connect to your career has a sense of, hey, I love this. Now sometimes they don't need to be in your career. Sometimes they just just happen to be proximity to it. I mean, look at the, the, the perfect example: the Jackson family. We talk about the Jacksons, okay? Joseph Jackson was a musician, okay? He just, you know, he was playing local band around town, but the kids were drawn to him, even if he was working, I think he was working at a factory or something, but he'd he'd go out at night and play in the band. But those kids saw his passion. They saw that guitar sitting up in the house and stuff like that. So they went after that passion, and Joe got it. He was like, wait a minute, hold on now, wait a minute now. They can play this a little piano, they can play so Joe started putting everything he in, into them, even putting his own career to the side, putting everything into his children to go far and beyond where he would go. So now, Brian, while your career done slowed down and you ain't singing no more pussy tails, what's that song? What's that song? What's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that song he was singing. I, I ain't lying. He did have a whole song, like a pussy tail song. I ain't lying. Don't be mad at me. Don't, I, 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 I don't consider that because I'm telling y'all what the name of the song was something. I forget what the name of it. I forget the name when he was singing them, them erotic songs around here. When he was going bad, when he was going down. Since you ain't doing that no more, this is a great time to put in even to your older son. Go apologize and try to work it out. You might have ruined it. You know, because sometimes when you miss that curve, like they old now, they done got used to whatever they doing now. But maybe you can still help, or maybe you can still reach out a hand. But that's what people got to realize. Sometimes if you, like, if you have a child that grew up in a household where they see you passionately meet your goals and your dreams and stuff like that, and especially if there's some sort of fame or something going on, make sure you take the time with your children to, to develop what is specifically beautiful about them. You know what I'm saying? To specifically to not only encourage your own career and your own art, artistry and stuff, but to encourage this new, this new, this next, this, this next generation of children that you have. I mean, you know, if they're going to be in the arts or they're going to be in something else or something, making sure that you, um, you help try to uh, develop that because what happens a lot of times is with some of these kids is they see this high-functioning careers going on and passion, and they want that too, but they end up falling short because a lot of times the parents are so into their careers that they don't take time to see the very talented aspects of their own children and to make sure those are developed. Because here's the thing, you got the money, 
I mean, if she was playing guitar, you got the money because went in guitar lesson. You ain't got to struggle out here like Joe did. Just try to play, teach him to play guitar and stuff like that. You can get some, you can get hell guitar lessons. You can get, you can get piano lessons from all kind of big time people <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm just saying, really, did you, what did you put in, Brian? Talking about them puffing and wanting to work at the hospital. Did you want to work at that hospital? Hmm. Did you? Would you would pass the drug test, Brian? If they gave you one. Back in, at the MCA, was it MCA you know? I'm just asking questions because we're critical about our kids, man. So I wonder if they would have gave you a drug test that you would have passed. That's all. I'm just asking questions. Literally, how people's porch puffed. I ain't going to give a price of private night. These Gemini's, yeah. See, the problem is with the Gemini's. One twin, no, there's a bad twin and a good twin. He's in the good mode. Well, I, you know, my sons, when it comes, they were out here. I gave them two years of an apartment, and blah 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 blah. And I'm not saying they ain't little small brats. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you just help create that energy. Okay? And for grown people out here, let me tell you something. This is what I say even for 50 cents going in the head. When you grown and your family, your parents and stuff don't want to do nothing, to, don't want to have a relationship with you and stuff, okay, don't beg, but try to be the best you can be. Okay? Be the best. That should make you, that should energize you, not knock you down. Let it energize you to be Something they could never imagine. Okay? And I know it's depressing, but dang, sometimes I gotta let these people go. Brian McKnight sounded crazy out in these streets. Some of the stuff he was saying, I was like, "Why are you trolling your children?" Like, especially the daughter. I think the daughter was like eighteen or nineteen. It's like she's a kid, and he was telling personal stuff. I was like, "Come on!" I mean, it was stuff like that was really embarrassing, and it just. Shows me that you got your own set of problems, okay? Crazy. Control these babies. Well, the grown men, I can't say, but the, the little girl. And your boys are still kind of babies because, you know, they probably got arrested development because of this relationship with you. This is crazy. What else we got to talk about on these streets? That was sad to him when I saw it today. All right, we talked about Brian McKnight. And Sharon said he's going to be done with the music if he's found guilty in the Marvin Gay copyright trial. Oh, Lord, here they go. Boy, y'all going to say something, okay? The Marvin Gay family do not play. Do not play. You'd be better off saying, I sampled for Marvin. I sampled. Yes, I did, and giving Marvin, Marvin family some of that estate stamp or that estate some of that money. That's what you'd be better off doing. But no, nah, y'all be wanting to fight people out of these streets. And I'm hearing you might want to retire because they saying this song sounds just like "Let's Get It On." And you know we can't miss them cards and "Let's Get It On." Okay, you got to really decide. 
That was the song they stole that that Robin Thicke and, and Pharrell stole, and they swore to, they swore they didn't say. I was like, that song sounds just like, it was so damn obvious. He was like, y'all need to stop and give Marvin Gaye his check. Marvin Gaye's estate, they check, okay? Because you mofos can't come up. With nothing, new, no new chords to describe, to disguise the song enough where can't nobody notice it. <laughs> That's not they fault. This is from uprocks.com. Eric Sheeran has currently been in court over a lawsuit from family of Marvin Gaye songwriting collaborator Ed Townsend claiming that Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud song copied Gaye's Let's Get It On. Now, has the latest development from the trial this week, Sharon reportedly told people in the room that he'll be quitting music if he's found guilty. Listen to that. You know what? You know, that's what, what does that sound like to me? I'm going to judge you, Ed. Kind of sounds like privilege. According to Daily Mail, he's also continued to deny that he copied the song. Let me hear this song. What's the name of this song here? I think I've heard it. And it did sound like this, you know. He had another one that sounded like uh, uh, Marvin Gaye, too. He better be glad they didn't come after him for that, them for that one. I don't know why they didn't. He better be glad. Oh, I think this is the song. This is the song. Yes, Ed. Been loving you Yes, this is the song. This Boy, you can hear less because you just slowed it down. That they we wasn't gonna notice that wasn't let's get it on. Oh Lord. Oh my God! Not the do 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 do! Oh come on, Ed, 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 You might not have thought you stole it, but it probably what happened is probably you was listening to it a lot, and it got caught up in your little recesses of your little mind, and your little mind could figure out a way to describe. See, most song people, musicians can hide that shit. You know, they can hide it enough where they they don't. But people don't know this. But this is so obvious. This is Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. This is more obvious than the other songs from Pharrell and them. This is real obvious. He just tried to slow it down. Boom. <laughs> Marvin Gaye's family's like, not today. Not today. Not today. You will not steal. Not today. And then he's going to be trying to throw a little fear. Song sounded just like Let's Get It On. Just like it. You didn't even have enough. You didn't even get to. You didn't have enough 
smarts to really hide it. If you didn't even try to hide it, you just smote it down and say, I ain't get it from you. I ain't get it. Let me see what he's saying. If that happens, I'm done. I'm stopping, he said. I find it really insulting to devote my whole life to being a performer and a songwriter and have someone diminish it. Oh, you did not. Them chords and everything is let's get it on. Another reported past development, including them claiming that Sharon was aware of gays, let's get it on. I know influence has he performed a mashup of the two during concert. Mm-hmm. Sharon is denied the impact. I mash up a lot of songs of gigs. Many songs have similar chords. You can go, see, that's what they're trying to do. But yours is too obvious. Yes, songs have similar chords, but your shit, okay, it's too much. It sounds just like all you did. You didn't put nothing different in it. All you did was slow it down. We can hear Let's Get It On all through the dang on song. Ooh. You ain't that good. <laughs> you couldn't disguise it. I mean, like I've heard songs like when I hear little songs, like I can hear little pieces of other uh, artists, but not enough to for somebody to go like you know and say, "Dang, they copyrighted my song." Like even in Maxwell's Off, I hear little. I hear two or three different songs I've heard before. But he's got, he's such a great musician. He's got other great musicians that he could cover some of that. They could cover where they borrow from. You borrow Marvin's whole damn song and just slowed it down, fool. You think we ain't going to, and then you tricked yourself into thinking you wrote that. Nope, that ain't going to do Marvin Gaye like that. Marvin Gaye's family deserves every dime. Many sons have similar cries. You can go from let it be, be to no woman, no cry, and switch back, Sharon stated. Boy, that don't sound like no woman, no cry. Shut up. If I had done what you're accusing me of doing, I'd be an idiot to stand on stage in front of 20,000 people and do that. You an idiot. That's why I'm calling you a fool right now. You an idiot. For, you know what? I bet you thought you were going to get away with it. You thought. I know what you thought. Being a pop star and all. Being like a male Teddy Swift. I know what you thought. I know what you thought, but Marvin Gaye scared me. said, uh-uh. That's my money. That pop money is good money. Mm-hmm. Robin Thicke thought he was, he was for real, thought they were getting ready to get away, too. They said, no, 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 no. Now, if the courts don't give you this, because I know you that you white, white, you know, you ain't like Robin Thicke, you know, but you, you know, you out there really deep in the white pop world, they, you know, no, you should not get away with this. This song sounds just like Let's Get It On. There's no, there's not much change. Uh, if found guilty, Townsend's family is seeking $100 million. Woo! In the lawsuit, that's a state. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a lot of money. Y'all better quit stealing. Quit stealing. And that was one of his big songs, too. Yes. Shout out to the gay family and the Towson family. 
shout out to y'all for stopping. Because, you know, there's plenty of artists out here. See, this is, and let me tell you something, white artists. You got to be really careful because there are plenty of white artists who have stolen from black artists before, and they have not gotten the credit or the reward for the thievery. Okay. Marvin Gaye's family saying, don't be no more of that. They said the other day, you know, he was crying because his wife got cancer. Yeah, she and his wife got, well, this is what I thought he did. See, I'm about to say something. Yeah, he said Ed Sheeran opens up about his friend's death, wife's cancer. Okay, so he's putting that out there. And listen, Ed Sheeran, I don't want to diss your wife. I pray for you. I hope your wife is healthy and strong. Cancer is no joke, no punk. And you talking about your friends, read, but you just seem like you trying to put all that out in the public right now while you got that lawsuit going on, baby. It's like Hillary Clinton when she, you know, white woman tears happening. Listen, Air Sharon, you stole that song. And if I was you, I wouldn't quit music, but I would talk to the Marvin Gaye family and the Townsend family and come up with a, 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 a way to end this nicely. Ask who was that that stole from uh, years ago? Was that Michael Bolton? His career ain't been the same since. He got mad. I think it was it the Ivy Brothers or somebody? He got real mad trying to say he didn't steal it, and it was obvious he had stolen from him. His career, and he was trying to really fight it, and his career was never the same after that. You know, because God don't like us. That song sounds just like Marvin Gaye's song, man. Yeah, I remember that. That's the song that everybody was talking about. That is exactly the song, and it sounds, it's, you know, give them their check. Okay? That's all I got to say. Give Marvin's family. They check. And Townsend's family, they check. She think people crazy. I'm going to quit. Okay, quit. <laughs> That's your pop. You still have to pay them these coins if they say you lost. <laughs> That's what the Marvin Gaye family got to say. You still going to have to pay these, these dollars. The Met Gala was last night. There's a lot going on. The Met Gala has, here's the one thing I noticed. They've been showing, it seemed like they were showing more pictures inside of the uh, 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 the Met Gala. Now, I've heard for years about the Met Gala, and, I, you know, I don't know if it's true. I'm just going to tell you what I heard. And this is just a rumor. This is a ledge, okay? People said it ain't nothing but cocaine in the bathrooms and the performers. <laughs> they said they have people say it's rumors that they ain't really that great. There's just celebrities doing cocaine in the bathroom, and that's what I heard. I'm, I ain't gonna, I ain't saying that's what's going on, but I'm just telling y'all what they rumors. They just dress up real wild, and then they, you know, all in the bathroom snort. Allegedly, not all of them, but some of them. Alleged. That's the rumors are that the, the met balls. I'm just telling y'all what they be saying out of these streets. But one of the things I noticed about the Met Gala, y'all had Mary J there, and I like Mary Al- Mary's outfit. People was talking about Mary's outfit, but I like that blue. 
I thought it was cute. Mary needs to have a boot line. Mary, what's the deal with the boots? Can you not? You went and got wine before boots. Mary, you need a boot line. Don't make no sense. I don't understand what's going on here with the wine and no boots. Anyway. Yeah, they need to have the cast of power ghost, book ghost on um on on at, at the Met Gala. Because listen, that is one of the most fashionable cast ever. Every week they be wearing them fashion name brands. Okay, that's like a ghost power book is like a fashion show, okay? I'm just telling y'all. So is the original um uh, Raising Canaan from the 80s and 90s, like all the, they be having on all the name brands, like they be having on Kelly Jackson, all kinds of stuff. They be like, what? MCM? They be wearing all kinds of, I remember when I started, when I was in high school, that's the sister, y'all like, y'all like, you a little, you a little spoiled Hey, I worked when I was in high school. Let me tell you something. Okay, wait a minute. I just, no, I worked from 13 on up. My grandma Thought I was spoiled and started me working. I was working. I worked every summer. I, listen, I paid for a lot of my stuff. So I worked and I worked during the school year when I got in high school. I worked. I had to work. By the time my senior year came, I was finished with my credits. Most of my credits, my senior year, I only had like two classes, uh, and I had to go to. I, they had this program called CEO, and I had to go to work. <laughs> like I went to work when you know when class, after my two classes was out. Like I had to go to work. I worked at a clothing store, I remember. I had I worked at a toy store, a clothing store, all kind of stuff. But so I used to yes, I used to dress nice. <laughs> Plus it wasn't just, you know, my granny would hook me up because you know, I, if I was hey, I my granny them would hook me up because I was a good kid. <laughs> but I remember I got my child when I got me my my had me an MCM. Yes. Okay, I had an MCM. <laughs> What's the MC? I forget what the name of their person was. The brown one. Oh, I was in high school. I thought I was all of that. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> Woohoo! Woohoo! I had I had the and I had the Liz Claiborne purse where they was real popular. When they was when they was real, they was real expensive back in the day. I was it was ridiculous for a kid in high school to have that kind of craziness. Then I what is that? Uh, I remember people thought I used people was like I because the girls in school you know the only girls in school that be dressed like that they be going like they be going with dealers. I was like I ain't going no dealer. I didn't want no dealer. I just had some hookup and I worked right and so I, I and my mama like my mama used to see my mama was a dancer. There's a lot of stuff here. I got a lot of interesting life. But my mama, shoot, when I was in grade school and stuff, I was wearing the out of Sergio Valente's Jordashes. I child. I'm sorry. My daddy is by my eyes to be dripping. <laughs> right? So you it was so neat is in raising Canaan, you see all of the uh the uh, the stylish clothing from that time. Like, you see all that, like, stuff that's probably rare from the 80s and the early 90s and stuff like that. Man, good times, good times. <laughs> I 
oh man, I remember boy. I got my first pair because Jordans used to be popular. Like back in the day, I was like a kid. I was like when I had my first pair of Jordans. I remember one of my teachers went, "It's some Jordans you got." Oh, my grandma said, child, I'm going to have to, you can't wear them. They're going to be looking, people going to be uh, looking at us crazy. Cause, but it was because I had aunts. I had my all my dad's family. I, I was, yeah, everybody at Christmas, I used to have a nice Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had my great-grandparents. It was great. It was just a great time. I had clothes So I like the drip. I love seeing the 80s and 90s drip because that's why I love clothes like I do now. I like little fashions up because my my grandma was a fashionista. So my grandma, like, always was dressing, okay? So that's why. So I I love seeing the the 80s and 90s styles and looks and stuff, and they always have that look from Raising Canaan, and they should be having – all of those casts at the Met Ball because they represent fashion so well on um, those shows. They really, really do. Really. Power Book Ghost and Raising Canaan, even though Raising Canaan's the past, but Power Book Ghost, they be coming with it now. The Power Book Ghost, I can't afford none of that stuff to be wearing on Power Book <laughs> I ain't gonna say that. But I'm just saying I don't want to pay that much for that stuff. They be wearing that, believe. They be having on some stuff that be like a, that be that stuff. Like I think I saw Tariq with like a five thousand dollars shirt on there. I was like, is that? I mean, they be having some wild stuff on on Power Book. Power Book. Mary J. One day, she was walking with this Louis purse. I was. Oh. I mean, it was one of. It's like you can't. Like you, it's probably sold out. I was like, oh my god. It was beautiful. Oh, my Lord. She, and the glasses, oh, my Lord, have mercy. They don't be playing, okay? They don't be playing up there at Power Book Ghost. How dare Anna Winter not have the whole cast of Power Book Ghost and, and Raising Canaan and stuff there representing? That's right. She had a whole, not just Mary, she got a cast. They, they be represented on the fashion tip. Woo. Really, really, they do, okay? All right, so what else has been going on out in these streets we need to talk about? Talked about, um, let me talk about Nick. Okay. Every week I got a Nick Cannon story, okay? I just am tired. You know, Nick always say something crazy. Like, you know? But Nick Cannon this week called the Red Table Talks toxic. Nick Cannon calling something toxic. Can you believe that? Let's listen to Nick talk about Red Table Talk. Deadline is serious. I can get it back on. I got my, hold on, my audio went out here. I got to pull it back up, y'all. But, yeah, he was calling the red table toxic, and I'm like, really? I mean, are we? can you really call anything else toxic? I mean, like, can Nick Cannon call something? What, I mean, toxic, who, what? The red table toxic was toxic. What about you? You're toxic. You think mama maker. You're real toxic. I don't know what happened to my audio. 
But yeah, Nick Cannon was calling it, just saying that it was toxic. And I just thought, the nerve, the real nerve, okay? The nerve, the nerve. That's all I got to say with that. The nerve of him calling somebody toxic, just crazy. This is mad crazy to me. Is this the one? Okay, yes, and Nick Cannon talks about he fumbled, Mariah Carey may have fumbled him this week. We'll play this part. That's the other part I want to play. this show. So I'm sure he'll be giving us more uh, Nick Cannon uh, craziness, okay? Uh, also, uh, let me see. What was another one that was I really wanted to talk about? I think I passed. Where's my audio? Um, okay. What was it? Neo. Oh, God. Neo wants people to know he's single. Neo is single, ladies. Do you care? Should you care? I say you shouldn't, but he's single. He's letting you know. Now, what's very interesting to me is because he had two, allegedly, is it two side babies? Is it two? Is it two? What's from Michelle? Earlier this year, Neil's divorce from his ex was finalized. Now he's out here dating and enjoying the senior life. Recently, a TMZ uh, TMZ caught up uh, caught up with him at the airport and asked him when is the right time to date again. He responded and said, "It depends on the person. Everybody's timeline ain't the same. Some people get it quick, and some people take a little time." it's up to you. Neo was then asked about his personal experience. He continued, I'm in a space now where I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm in a happy place. So I'm dating now. I don't give a damn. He was asked if he was dating one person in particular to which he was finding, I'm moving around. I'm enjoying the single life. Neo, did you, has there ever been a time when you didn't have a single life going? I mean, was you, was you enjoying? Cause from what I'm hearing, you was enjoying the single life in the marriage. <laughs> no, I didn't say it. Crystal said it. I mean, you didn't have this one girl you was dealing with, which is one. That's the, that Crystal said. Crystal said it was several alleged. Like you know, when you have one, you say, "Dang, I, I shouldn't did that thing." I'm a cheat. Now Neo, they said, was out in these streets, like 
singing cameo that he was living a single life. Like he was, he didn't have no wings on. You remember what Crystal said? And allegedly wasn't using no, allegedly wasn't no using no protection. Allegedly. That's what Crystal said. I didn't say. I mean, that's what I read Crystal said. Girls, do you really want to be bothered? I just want to give out the warning shots. Girls, do you want to be bothered? Neo, if it's true, don't nobody want to be bothered if you ain't out here rapping up. He ain't got enough. He ain't enough songs. To, to, to the left, to the left ain't enough. What's the, the song be he wrote for Beyonce? Sexy Love and all that. That was a while ago. Champagne like, y'all, no, no. It's already like four or five of them kids on the books. He just didn't have one with the side baby. He had a one or two side babies. <laughs> Girls, he ain't never stopped dating. I hear you from what I can tell. You know, you ain't never stopped dating. What's the yellow? What's the yellow? He ain't stopped out here. I mean, he just, I, I, I mean, you know, who says it's in the right time? You know it ain't. What is me or Rodney Street doing? Leave okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah. Not all evil men, but some of y'all. Players, players from the Himalayas. <laughs> and I got no, it shouldn't be no players. I got Neo out here thinking, like I said, I got Neo out here thinking he's Denzel, okay? Like he's, well, we never know when the right time is. When the right time, Neo, the right time for you is all the time. You you got the ring on, it seems like you out here. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Neo's hilarious, okay? It's a hot mess. Now, what was another story? It was another story I wanted to talk to y'all about. Child Chance the Rapper. He was at a carnival. And listen, it's been my dream. I ain't got it right. I ain't got it together. I'm getting it there. I'm trying to get it there. But I, it's my dream. And when I, got a, when I get a certain spot, a certain, a certain thing I want to get to, I know they be having plus size girls up. I know I could probably go do it now, but I hope it's a dream when I get to certain a certain size. I want to do carnival and wear one of the carnival outfits. I want to put like get these one made up like a, like a Scorpio one with the big black wings, like like do it black, you know, <laughs> or read a fire red or something with the big like a wings or something. God, I want to do carnival. That's my drink. That's my drink. I'm gonna do it. I tell my friends, my friends like, you're going to do that stuff. So I say, y'all show in. <laughs> my girlfriend's like, I believe you. You been, I got a list. I am going to get out here in a carnival outfit. A carnival. And that's what Chance the Rapper's at. Now, you can't be up on me like that. Like you, Chance the Rapper was up on that chick. But I do just want to walk around and flop. You know, sharp these, these hips and stuff. Boom, boom. I do. I just went one time. <laughs> Take some pictures. 
I'm fast sometimes. I'm fast. Okay? I'm not fast, but I'm fast in my mind. Okay? And in my mind, I want to be fast and do carnival one time. And just wear the outfit. Just wear my outfit and go. Okay? Now, this Aries Chance the Rapper is out in these streets. At, and he know he means. What what's his moon in? Oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. Sun and Aries, what moon in Aquarius? <laughs> I ain't gonna talk about him. Okay. Venus is in Aries. He know. Chance was out here doing the most at this carnival. I mean, he was out here doing a lot. He was up on this girl at the carnival. I mean, having him a good time. I mean, he was all up in this girl's gut. I mean, you know that you know how to do the thing. And see, I remember years ago, I was with like a young girl. I was at uh, see, this is how I was such a prude, you know. But I thought I was a prude when I was young, but I I, I always been kind of just funny. But uh, let's see, where's that? Uh-huh. Let me see where's that with chance. Yeah, I got my chance. Let's pull it. Uh, but yeah, I went to this Jamaican club like years ago, and uh, you know they was everybody was dancing and stuff, and then they had one of those slow wine kind of songs come on, and I was like uh, in in DC, and I was in that club where this was back in the day day. I was there with some friends, and, and they was it just got like really like wild. I was like, hold up, I have to be out. <laughs> I mean they. I mean, it was a lot. I mean, you know what I'm saying. They was, it was damn near having sex. I'm like, what is doing? They wilding up in here, okay? I mean, they was doing a lot, okay? Well, Chance the Rapper was out there at the carnival doing the most with this girl. He was all online, videotaping. He was pumping her in the butt, everything. Now, he's very married. I mean, he ain't trying to hide it. He's he all up in the camera. I mean, all up in the woman. Like, he was really damn near sex. I mean, he's like dry, dry humping. It says, last week, Chance the Rapper, this is from rhymeswithsnitch.com. This is like, last week, Chance the Rapper went viral after he was spotted getting a wine at Carnival in Jamaica. This week's Chance Wife shared a cryptic message on social media about people refusing to grow up. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. I've lived a very simple life. You can say, oh, yes, at 13 this happened to me and at 14, but those are facts. But the facts can obscure the truth, what it really felt like. Every human being has paid, has paid the earth to grow up. Most people don't grow up. It's too damn difficult. What happens is most people get older. That's the truth of it. They honor their credit cards. They find parking spaces. They marry. They have the nerve to have children, but they don't grow up. Not really. They get older, but to grow up costs the earth. The earth. It means you take responsibility for the time you take up. 
for the space you occupy. It's serious business. And you find out what it costs us, what it costs us to love and to lose, to dare to fail, and maybe even more to succeed. What it costs in truth, not superficial costs. Anybody can have that. I mean, in truth, okay? Now, somebody said this is what they do at point. Uh-uh. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Let me see this. Let me say this. Listen, let me just say this, okay? <sighs> okay, I understand having a little fun. You know what I'm saying? I ain't no chick that I, listen, I don't know. Listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm 50. I don't know what they mean by grow up. I mean, I, I mean, I grow, I'm responsible. I'm a, you know, I'm smart and everything like that. And I understand that you got to have some, a sense of maturity, Okay. But I'm for, I'm for, you know, you guys, you know, people having their space and going out, kicking it with their boys or whatever like that. But that, what he was doing, see him even doing something, a little dance with her or something. But being all up in, like, she was up on it. Y'all should see that video, Chad. It's a lot to take in. Okay. I am not mad. I understand why she was upset. I understand what she was talking about. Somebody you grow up, you got kids. What you doing? You all on? I mean, I understand having fun. I ain't against having fun. What if she was at Carnival dressed like that? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And she was building it over. Okay, at Carnival. And everybody like, that's kids and rappers. Why? Okay. You was wrong, kids. Okay. Now, I, like, it's okay you can walk down the street with the outfit on and look cute and look good and all that stuff, but you don't need to be bending over and letting nobody. You know what I'm saying? Even you a player, player, Chance, you could have did that in private where nobody saw it. But you going to have the video. It was, like, disrespectful to it. You know what I'm saying? I just, it was, even if he didn't mean nothing by it, it was bad. Partly is because Chance is trying to look like probably a bad boy because, you know, he got the good boy image. But still, man. <laughs> I mean, that, listen, them grinding dances be serious, okay? <laughs> no. I'm serious. You think, it, you think people ain't feeling a little sex, sexual a little bit after that? Oh, God, I'm kidding. Okay, so especially the way he was moving. He was moving reckless, okay? Chance, you should you should have known better with your married ass, okay? Now, I also understand that this is just what I will say. And they say he laughs off the drum over the weekend. Chance shared a video on Instagram stories of comedian Billboard making a joke about fighting and being married, okay? Um The whole thing is this, you know, I, here, this is, I don't know, I have, this is what I say to women on that notion, there, and men too, there has to be a sense of respect in relationships and marriages, I mean, you can't stop nobody from, you know, stuff happens, people play, cheat, but, you know, things, people follow, oh my God. Here's my thing. I understand what she means by grow up because she has children, everything. 
But what I want women to get a sense of and men to, because I love something, even though I think he was on some player mess. I love something. It's something Lauren, Lauren, um, uh, uh, what's her name? What's that girl's name? They go with Nip- they used to go with Nipsey Hussle. Laura London said about Nipsey said to her one day, because she was worrying and stuff or something, something happened with the, the, the relationship. And he said to her, you don't, neither one of us, we don't own each other. And I was like, ooh. I mean, you know, and here's what I'm saying. It doesn't mean that that gives you the right to disrespect the commitment. It doesn't mean that gives you the right to uh, disrespect the people, even though things like that happen. But when you have a sense, and this is something that has a Scorpio for me, because Scorpios, we like possession, you know what I'm saying? But I totally got it. When, when she told me, when she, when she told that story, I totally got what she was saying. He said, because in a sense, you can, you, you have the right, it was, I forget the whole, what did he say? Uh, oh, let me see if I can look at that up, that statement up. Uh, it was really good. It was more than you don't own anyone. It was, it's really kind of, it's kind of, Uh, I'm trying to think. Where's that? Uh, I can see if I'm. I'm see if I can look it up. I have to get. I'm trying to find you guys to see. This is a really good quote. Um, Okay, I don't know if I forget. I don't know where... um, Okay, I'm getting quiet for a second because I was trying to find it for y'all. But um, it was really a good quote where she talked about uh, uh, how she dealt with somewhat the grief because uh, because he was, he had told her one day that you uh, you don't ever really own um, anyone. People can be taken from you at any uh, moment or anything through any kind of situation or something like that. Dang, I wish I could, I knew that 
that quote, but it was a really, like, a great quote that he said to her. And um, I just feel like people have to approach uh, relationships like that, that, uh, like, yes, you have, there is a, a responsibility um There's a responsibility uh, um, to people and to being. Re, uh, let me see if I can. Have, if this is this is quote. It is the ultimate lesson in control, not having control, letting go. It's really when you have this plan for your life as you should. If or when that gets derailed, and you have plan B now to go off that you didn't plan on. It is the ultimate test of surrender because at the end of the day, as much control as we think we have, we do not. And it's actually very powerful to surrender. We think that it's the weakness, but it's so much power in letting go and flowing with the river because life is going to do what it's going to do, and we are all going to get chin-checked by life one way or another. So I might as well focus on my enlightenment and roll with the river and not fight with the rock. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like something like you don't own somebody, so you you enjoy the experience of being with them. You enjoy this experience of having the relationship. And I'm sorry I took so long, and I'm so quiet on y'all for so long. But yeah, because it was really important quote. I wish I could have found it, but if I find it next show, I'll bring it on. But you, we really, no matter how, and a lot of times you will find people very angry after relationships, and rightfully so, especially when you've invested so many things in the people. You got love there and stuff like that. But I, I, I think she was saying that, you know, I think she was talking about when I remember, if I remember, and, 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 and y'all forgive me if I have it wrong, but she was saying, like, she was having a jealous thing or something one day. And, you know, I feel like he was also player stuff too. But, but at the same time, I really could really got what that that what he was saying but she was saying he was telling her you don't you nobody you don't own anyone but you have to enjoy the experience and I, I forget oh god I hate that I forget what this is what it was that he said but I thought it was very powerful because when you go into relationships um with that kind of somewhat energy and understanding that in some ways you do loosen your grip on uh, control of somebody, of control of how you see them, and um, and and you also understand that um, that it, it helps you develop more about what you want and what you like or what you want in a person and what your need for respect versus what they need. And if they need something else, then you you should be free to let them go. Because so many people, uh, sometimes you, and you know, you feel a sense of ownership towards people. And I don't mean, and listen, I don't want this to sound like I'm saying for people, you go out there and do whatever you want to out these streets if you got a commitment and stuff. But I'm saying it's easier to heal from brokenhearted situations when you realize that you don't own this person. Yes, you're going to be hurt from um, 
if somebody disrespects you or somebody lies to you, betrays you in some sort of way. But it also, if you have an understanding that there is nothing that you own, a much more healing environment to me. I, I, I wish I had that quote when he said to her. Just real deep. Oh, my God, I hate having her that quote. I should take a break and, and then came back, tried to look for it and came back. But it was very deep. And I, I feel like that sometimes a lot of, like, in that she wants him to grow up and everything. But it also sounds, I think, sometimes what people get scared, scared of in relationships and marriages and, and everything is the restrictions. You know what I'm saying? Now, there are responsibilities, and it's a new level of maturity and things like that, but people don't want to feel like uh, sometimes they're confined, like like owned or confined. Sometimes people, you know, life becomes different. Suddenly you have people have somebody, you have more people to uh, consult and stuff like that. But it should never um, stop somebody from being their most authentic self. Do you have to adjust that self sometimes? Yes. Especially if you're a father or you're a mother or you're a, a spouse or something like that. Yes, you'll have to adjust and change some things. But it should not stop you from being your most authentic self. When that stuff starts to happen is when relationships, most of them become lost. So just my opinion on that, but it's just interesting because I saw that because it was sounding a little bit, I mean, you know, her, I understand what she was saying, but, you know, also I think, you know, him being in the type of business he's in, Again, I know a lot of, you know, being a male rock star, being a male or a, male or a rapper and stuff, sometimes people expect them. There's an expectancy for those type of guys to cheat. And sometimes that's bad. You know, I shouldn't say that because really, here's what I, I would say to women. If you get involved with somebody with a high-level career who has a lot of women wanting them and stuff like that, the truth of the matter is, if you get involved with somebody like that, or if I had got involved with somebody, the truth of the matter is, I expect you to be your best self. I expect you to be your most who you. I expect you to 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 be able to confer with me, talk with me, or whatever, communicate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, so I think a lot of times women don't expect the best self. And sometimes I've even said that on here, like, y'all, you guys, these kind of men, they do this kind of stuff. But no, I, sometimes you, you have to give, you have to put greater expectations. A lot of times, like she she said to him, in a way she said it's somewhat good in some ways, I think, she said, hey, you have to grow up a little bit. And she didn't really, she didn't come out, she slide, kind of come after him. She kind of, on the slide came after him. But she also reminded him that, listen, you can't be out there pumping no girls, but you know you in a commitment, and we got kids. <laughs> you mean you know what I'm saying? You can have your fun, but that ain't the way to do it, you know. So I get it. So it, but yeah, I hope I made sense. I don't know. I was got there. It's so many thoughts. I, I mean, I feel like that was in that <laughs> that little uh, tweet she wrote, you know. But you know, they have a very uh, public relationship, so she's probably embarrassed by the. I mean, you know, he's a celebrity, so. When, when you're a celebrity, you know, um, 
your relationship is very public and people will be seeing you out in the street playing. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it is what it is, right? Uh, what else I want to talk to you about? Um, oh, my goodness. It was so much. It was something else. Oh, Tyrese. Should we end it with Tyrese? <laughs> Tyrese got, like, ends up getting, like, six, six hundred and they had to even had to end up having to pay Samantha like child support <laughs> after his protest got shut down. <laughs> Poor Tyrese, man. Tyrese wild about you. You know the one if y'all give anybody y'all should offer a reality T V show is Tyrese Gibson. He would be hilarious. To, to follow, just to to watch, to watch. <laughs> but it says Tyrese's Gibson responds to a judge ordering him to pay two hundred and fifty thousand in back child support to support ex Lee insisting he'll keep fighting. Fathers have no rights. That's the day after the judge. This is according from DailyMail.com. It says after a judge ordered him to pay two hundred thirty-seven thousand in back child support and another three hundred ninety-nine thousand to her lawyers. Tyrese Gibson reveals he has plans to fight the decision. The 44-year-old actor was spotted at LAX on Wednesday where he was asked about a judgment against him to pay his ex to Manthony Gibson. When asked how he told up after the decision, Gibson said in a video obtained by TMZ, I'm inspired, and it wasn't just about him. What happens today happens every day in the family law court system. Fathers have no right, period, Gibson says. So the bigger ass whooping I get in court, the more it's going to shed light on what's happening since the beginning of time. Now, see, first he was upset because the judge had called her a bitch, and now he's back to saying it's about him. And he said, it's just not about me. I will never take care of my daughters, uh, whether I'm with their mother or not. Gibson said the daughter's 15-year-old Shayla and 4-year-old Soraya. But it's not okay to call us Debbie Dez when we're hustling, grinding, traveling, doing whatever it takes to put food on the table and take care of our families because it naturally causes us to be physically away from our kids. And that gets used against us in court because the mother may be ava- more available than you. Okay, mothers usually want to Listen, here's the thing, okay? Tyree, she needs to heal from this relationship, okay? I don't think she's coming back. You got a new girl and you need to heal. He sounds like a lot like uh, Martell Hope. Yeah. And Samantha, I would say this. Somebody that starts acting like that, that keeps feeling like he got to go to court and keep fighting you for every little thing, every little piece, every little penny, you know what I mean? That's not. One thing I fight him for is making sure he pays the lawyers. But child support and all that stuff, I ain't going to keep arguing with you because, see, people are crazy. You know what I'm saying? People are crazy. I mean, people will kill you. You know what I'm saying? When they start acting all out and going back in, I'm not saying, hey, yeah, act a fool about paying, you know, trying to pay somebody child support. Sometimes you got to let a fool be a fool. Like, I remember I had one friend, and she was arguing, arguing where her husband in court. I said, hold up, hold up. And he was starting to sound like he was getting aggressive and violent. I said, wait a minute, what's worth it? Your life or, you know, sitting up here and she, she was like, I'm just like, you're right. I need peace. Sometimes you need peace. 
Like, just let his ass do it. You know, you might you'd be better off not taking no money from that food. Sometimes you find a fool. You know what I'm saying? I ain't saying Tyrese a fool, but sometimes he got fool like Timothy. Sometimes you find a fool. And you got to just say, you know what? I'd rather just, you know, go get out here and do something else than to let him come keep fighting him in court over my children. You know, over my child, because this is getting a little sticky. You don't want to pay no child. So you, sometimes it's just worth your peace of mind to walk away from the money. Scale down your life and let this food leave him alone, leave him to be and do whatever out there he do. Especially when somebody keeps him, well, I'm going to keep going. It ain't about me. It's about the father. You, you start to hear the bitterness. You calling me a dead, be dead. You calling me this and that. And you start hearing the victim, victim mentality, victimology, when he could just simply pay it and to be like, you know, you know it's child support. Uh, you know, or he could just simply sit down with Samantha if he couldn't afford it and talk to her about his money and stuff. But it's like a lot of uh, aggressiveness there. And I get a worry when I hear that kind of energy. So if I was her, you know, I'd be like, I don't know if I'd be, you know, trying to take him. And y'all done racked, you done racked up $400,000 in lawyer's fees. That's a lot, Samantha, because that's you going back and, back and forth to court with a fool. Sometimes I'm working. Child ain't working. I might tell him, keep your little child for I'm just going to, you know what, me and my child are going to be out here. You know, mind our business. You seem a little off. Okay. I mean, it's just my opinion. Okay. Now I didn't get to talk about Tucker Carlson and and Don. I'm not surprised about Don Lemon being fired. I'm just not. I, the ratings was low. That's not a surprise. Tucker is a surprise because Tucker was like the number one show on Fox News. Tucker was the big dog at Fox. Uh, Listen, Tucker, I don't sometimes like the racial gaslighting Tucker does on his show. All of them do that at Fox. But here's what I want to explain to people. Years ago, I used to watch Tucker Carlson when he used to come on MSNBC. Tucker Carlson used to be on MSNBC. People don't know that. Tucker has always been tackling, uh, and they all, and the media love to say they lies. It's not true. A lot of his stories, he tackles a lot of stories that a lot of news outlets don't want to tackle, a lot of stories he'll tackle that the powers that be don't want you to tackle. So uh, Tucker Carlson, I'm not surprised that they have, they're running trying to get him off the air. Not that he, I don't like racial gaslighting he does, but he does hit on a lot of subjects and a lot of topics that most um a lot of these platforms now are scared to tackle. And that has made Tucker look like he's the new Alex Jones or he's just that. But listen, I personally think Tucker Carlson is going to be perfectly fine. I think Don Lemon will be fine, too. He'll probably go over to MSNBC or something. But Tucker, is he's he probably going to make a deal with one of these platforms, conservative platforms. He could probably be as big as Joe Rogan. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Tucker's got an audience, and he has very interesting topics on his show. 
very interesting ones. Like I said, he, he covers sometimes the things that regular news is scared to tackle. And a lot of times they'll bring, bring people racism and make people stay away from them. No, sometimes you need to go over there and see what they're talking about, okay? But he, he has a lot of uh, very interesting topics and shows and stuff. So I, I think Tucker will go on to be fine. So that's my thought on the Tucker Carlson situation. And you know what? I'm probably going to have to have a part two somewhere on track because I ain't been able to get through all y'all know how. I ain't been able to get through all y'all stuff. And talk to y'all about a lot of the stuff I want to talk to because I got more things to talk about, but we down to the last two minutes of the show, okay? <laughs> Thank you guys uh, for listening to the show. Shout out to y'all. Thank you for listening to me like you do every week. I appreciate y'all so much. We're going to get out of here tonight. What am I going to get out of here with? I don't know. Child, what am I? I'm trying to look. What am I going to do? I don't know what I'm playing. I got to play one of my favorite songs. Um, let's see what I got on him. Okay, we're going to leave out with... Okay, we'll leave out with Since It's Late Night and my fave. We'll leave out one of my favorite songs by my fave, 1990X Maxwell. It's the cheapest show. I will see y'all sometime this week. We'll try to have a show, another show, okay? I'm out. See y'all. Peace. of my voice you are listening to the archive show thank you guys so much for listening to me like you do every week i appreciate y'all y'all know i do y'all know i do okay that was maxwell 1998 i always wonder what the x is what's the x i don't know am i slow i might be slow okay but you guys, thank you guys for listening to me. Remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chat Wood Facebook page. You can also hit me up on Instagram at Carly's underscore Galaxy. Okay. And you can also hit me up on uh, Twitter at the Chatwood Show and Carlotta72. Those are two different Twitter accounts. Okay. You guys, again, thank you. It's a late night. I don't get a late chat. Child, Lord, it's four in the morning. Okay. Here's a little sleep. All right, so listen, oh, uh, 
a lot of I've been having like I've had like five different people write me about EVE. I don't know where y'all restyled the EVE autograph. Okay, listen, I, I I I don't know. It's only in my possession, so that's why I say to y'all, I, I'm not selling it. It's only in my possession. It's it's, it's archived. So yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dang, I've been having people write say write me top EVE. I was like, that's my old Yeah, so yeah, sorry. Yeah, but I will tell y'all for people who are seeking autographs and stuff, I wouldn't sell my autographs anyway. Okay, that's just I just wouldn't. But for those of you who are seeking to get autographs and stuff, they have great stores around the country that sell autograph pictures. I mean, autograph stuff from people and stuff like that that you can buy. Really, the people that I used to work at, a, I think they still are open somewhere. Legacy used to be a legacy autograph shop or something like that. They, they, they have them online and stuff where they feel authentic, and they can and they can always authenticate the autographs, autographs. Okay, so this is what it is. All right, all right, you guys, I am out. Y'all have a good one. I'm gonna leave out with Marvin Gaye after the dance. See y'all. All dance with me.